Welcome to our backyard. This is the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We are two friends having a discussion after everyone else has passed out or gone to bed. Grab a drink and listen as we discuss everything from automation, space exploration, and why the meaning of life is 42. So what's the difference between a bank investing money and a gambler? Well, the truth is, not that much difference. And today we're going to talk about banks, how they form, how they work, how they intertwine with the government. But before I get to that, Nick, how are you and what are you drinking? I'm doing great and uh, I'm going to be confused because this bank's whole finance stuff is not my forte. But uh, and to further represent my confusion, I am drinking some bush light what about you i boy i'm missing space every single day and i'm drinking some balacoons some more bourbon to sadden my woes but yes banks i think it might be appropriate to start with where does the word bank come from well the word bank comes from an italian word meaning banco which stands for bench see the first banks that most resemble modern banks happen in italy and on a street in a, in a district, they had a set of benches and conducted business there. People would sit on the bench with the bankers at this time, and they would talk. And if the bank or banker lost all the money or the people just simply got angry, they would break the bench. Banca rota, breaking the bench. Bankrupt. And that's where we get the word bankrupt from. That's hilarious. And from there, a multitude of different banks have formed and we'll probably do an episode on how banks have influenced history or how banks have changed over the years. But right now, me and Nick are going to be focusing on 21st century banks mainly. And Nick, there's a, there's a lot of different types of banks. And banks are very, you know, might have bit off more than we can chew. Let's just say that. Yeah, I think we definitely did. Because there's, yeah, so this is going to be our little overview of banks in 21st century. But there's a lot of individual financial scandals and all this stuff that we could go into, but we're not going to deep dive into to any of them, just kind of give you a, a rundown and where how we got here recently and where we're going. I think a good place to start would be the different types of banks. I never realized how many different types of banks there were. Most people are familiar with, you know, the checking and savings account. Maybe they have CDs, maybe they have investing, but those are just retail banks. Then you have commercial banks, which are for corporations, banks for businesses. These banks handle business finances at large, massive scale. You have investment banks, banks designed to help businesses raise capital and help if a company wants to go public or sell debt. Private banks, banks for individuals, which large sums of money, aka millionaires, they pretty much are just private banks to help with certain money amounts because different money amounts come with different regulations, which we'll probably get into a little bit later, which begs the question to me, uh, what's the difference between an investor and a bank when it's just a private bank? Like, not quite sure how that one works, but like I said, we're fools with a capital F and board we go. There are central banks, which are federal reserve banks currently. Uh, the law extends there's eight minimal Federal Reserve Banks to up to max 12 Federal Reserve Banks. And their Federal Reserve Bank is a bank for banks, if that makes sense. This is where banks kind of borrow money, where they kind of send money. Kind of, uh, again, the banks for banks. Followed by Central Unions, a nonprofit organization owned by their customers. So from what I understand, a Central Union is a bank that makes decisions based on the clientele that is moving their banks around, like, like uh, their investments, like, oh, they're seeing a lot of investments coming from his sector, so they're going to manipulate and play with that. It's very similar to mutual banks, which, instead of being owned by the customers, they're actually owned by members. So if you're a member, you can actually own a portion of the bank and make decisions on that. And lastly, before I hand it off to you, Nick, I'm sure the people listening are tired of me telling the different types of banks, we also have online banks, which is banks that no longer need a physical spot. It's all done by servers remote and the internet, which is, boy, 
fascinating time we live in. Yeah, so I think some of the legislation that most influences the current economic system and banks that we live in right now is basically all reaction, solution, depending who you ask, to the Great Depression. And that would be the U.S. leaving the gold standard. Um, this isn't, this is kind of banking or finance. I don't know how you'd clarify this, but it, it's kind of important, I guess. And then, uh, so the gold standard went away in 1933 because people started hoarding gold and they lost faith in the dollar. And so they decided to get rid of the gold standard. And as the supply of gold isn't fixed, so it's not perfect because if someone brings a bunch more gold, it ruins everything. But you, then you just have to have faith in your dollar and there's nothing supporting behind it. You have faith in the, the institution that that dollar represents, that they'll be able to repay your loans. It's called imagination. And then the other one is uh, insuring banks. So you've probably seen at the end, like uh, any banking ad, it's like member FDIC insured, something like that. And that's because basically you could put your money in a bank and during the stock market crash, like if, if there's a run before that, like you're, and there is no more money left for the bank to give you, there is, well, there's no more money left to give you. And because, uh, well, people didn't like the fact that banks didn't have their money, the government put, uh, like, bumpers, I guess, trying to make it safer so that uh, there's no run on the banks, basically saying, we will support, you know, if, it, if we need to, we will help recover the money. And uh, But you have to do certain things to become... FTIC, which stands for Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Well, before you get too far into insurance, I want to say that for uh, in, a, in a second, because I, the insurance to me was quite interesting, because that's just a whole. That I want I want to say that as a major topic point, which I don't want to quite get into yet. I figured a good spot to kind of bring back to the twenty first century is how do you even start a bank? And I don't know if you have anything on that, or if I should hop in on that. Uh, I have. No idea. Basically, from what I understand, the best way to start a bank is to know someone who already started a bank. But uh, I guess that wouldn't be starting. That'd just be taking over. Because a lot of these banks have been here for a long time. And especially oh yeah, the Depression really weeded out the ones that weren't going to make it. <laughs> God, how long has Wells Fargo been around? Like, what, since 1846 or something ridiculously uh... long? I think earlier than that, they were pretty big by that time because they were securing like all the gold, the all stage the stagecoaches coach. and shit. So probably earlier. I have no idea. Damn. Well, well, for the 21st century to start a bank, there's actually a lot of regulations and rules on how to actually start a bank. It's actually a very lengthy and elite process. So first, you must identify a need. You can't have like 18 banks right next to each other. If there's already a bank serving a good portion of the district, you can't start your own bank, which is really weird because if I wanted to start a restaurant and there's already like 12 other restaurants, legally I'm allowed to do that, but not with banks, which I found interesting. Uh, you need quite a bit of capital. You need, depending on where you want to put it, anywhere from 12 to 20 million minimum. Let me repeat that. 12 to 20 million minimum to start a bank. A lot of time because the process is not easy. Filling out paperwork, filling out forms. It takes about a year and a half with lawyers to get the permits of starting a bank, which I find funny because that's actually faster than it is. It's actually faster to start a bank than it is to get a suppressor. So I found that funny. That is, that's pretty funny. But uh, I have a question. How many new banks are being formed so it's actually kind of interesting right now uh i don't know with the current covid times but there's a surprisingly um a large amount of single store banks so the rules and regulations for having multiple branches versus a single bank are kind of different yes there's some overlay but it's more night and day it's it's quite fascinating and i from what i can tell depending on the bank it's almost like invest, opening up a stock market company 
but you're insured by the government. Like there's a lot more safety and regulations for your investing. The banking part of holding people's money is just a added bonus. So uh, like you mentioned the FDIC, if I remember correctly, there is, uh, as of 2020, 4,377 insured banks by the FDIC. And the amount of banks have been going down over the years, whether that's due to, you know, coming to hard regulations, big companies buying up the little companies, just making it too hard to survive, et cetera, et cetera. Because uh, I might be guilty of this, but I kind of want to bank with a known brand because they might have better insurances, better qualities, et cetera, et cetera. Might make it harder. But banks have been decreasing, but banks still form for a multitude of reasons. And like I mentioned, with all the different types of banks, you kind of have to choose what type of bank you want to be, but you don't have to choose just one. Most banks wear multiple hats, so you're not just checking savings. You might be investing. You might, there's a wider range you can combine. So if you want to make it a federal bank, like a federal charter bank, you have to send a different application to the office of the controller of the company of the currency. Sorry, controller of the currency, which is a really messed up name. And state banks and federal banks are so similar yet so different and for those wondering a charter bank is just a financial institute primary role is to accept and safeguard money deposits and lend money out as well uh, for those who don't know uh, there's also like a kind of subcategories like a correspondent bank and a intermediate bank they're pretty much just middlemen for transfers so Correspondent bank handles multiple different currencies, while a intermediate bank only handles one currency. So those are banks that kind of focus on wire transfers, like your basic retail store where you have your checking savings probably does wire transfers too. That's very common. That's what I mean by they can have multiple different hats. They can wear those different things. And I think that's kind of how banks start and form, just kind of snatches. But then you got to choose what kind of insurance banks want. And Nick, you, uh, can you pick up where you left off? Sorry, I just wanted to get out of how to start a bank in the modern age. Yeah, I just never really, I guess, think about people uh, starting banks. Doesn't seem like something anyone goes into. I am curious on how many private banks there are. Or what are the business banks? Like, I do. can a retail bank and a business bank do the same thing? depending on its size or those set like can one bank do something that the other can never cross into like you can't have cross contamination i guess is the best way to say it can a private bank never handle business bank a business what a business bank does i i, I don't know just i i don't know again this is kind of like a 101 crash course for me so uh excuse my ignorance gotcha yeah i, I have no idea how to answer that um so yeah uh, so what happened in the depression stock market started to crash people ran to the banks creating a run on the banks which is when everyone tries to get their money out because they don't want to be the last one in there with no money in the bank and they well they technically have money in the bank but the bank doesn't have enough money to pay off all of their accounts that are in there at that time because they loan certain amounts to other people and such stuff like that and so being fdic insured now they are insured up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars per depositor so if you go into a bank that's fdic insured and you put in two hundred fifty thousand dollars and the stock market goes out and you go to recall all your money that means that they the bank or the insurance agency that you'll get your money so you're going to get that two hundred fifty thousand dollars. but if you have three hundred thousand dollars in there and there's a run on the banks you're only going to get that two hundred fifty thousand dollars if unless the bank has all your money or has enough money to give it to you and then uh there's an easy way around that if you are unlike me and mike and you have more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars it's per account so if you have five hundred thousand dollars you put half in one fdic bank and half another FDIC bank, and then there you go, you're covered for the full amount. So if that's something you have to worry about. Never put all your eggs in one basket. Also, uh, fun fact, the Federal Reserve is also the one who manages uh, inflation and uh, is composed of a board of members appointed by Congress. 
I found that uh, very interesting with these uh, economic times. I mean, this is all Hamilton's fault, really, for his wanting of a central bank. The federal bank's actually, the history of it's really interesting, and we'll probably do a separate uh, episode on that. But uh, the reason why Missouri has, like, two is because they had, like, bribed one of the congressmen. And uh, but, uh, to go back to what Nick was saying with uh, insurance, uh, there's a multiple multitude of different insurance and like he says most money doesn't exist physically at the bank it's insolvent physical currency so uh, we'll touch on it in a bit but banks really make their money from investing slash giving out money on loans and fees and uh i just continue on after this i just have a quick interesting fact i picked up so when the u.s was on the gold standard uh so every dollar had to be insured for only 40 cents of gold. So it's not like one dollar of one US dollar was worth one gold, like one dollar of gold. It was only insured for 40 cents of gold. And we got rid of the domestic gold standard in the uh, 1933, I think. We didn't get rid of the international gold standard until later, like the 70s. Well, I think it was 1933 because I know in 1933, the first bank insurance came with the Glass-Steagall Act, which was in 1933. So it makes sense that they implement the act and deal away with yeah. the dodo. But then I so guess like internationally, the U.S. dollar was still backed by gold. Everyone likes shiny things. Gold, <laughs> Gold's one of well, them. Well, it's really funny that we, we spent, this is getting a little off the rails, we spent a lot of time trying to get a gold coin to be the standard compared to like a silver coin like the mexican silver peso we went into like a financial war i don't know what you'd call that to make it so that most places would use an, a gold coin instead of a silver coin and then we're like i mean fort knox exists for and a then reason. we're like yeah no we don't want it i mean part of that probably is there's a lot of gold in the united states so not as much silver as mexico has not the worst not the worst thing not, not the worst problem yeah. to have well, going back to insurance, so along with large withdrawals, like everyone going to the bank getting their money out, they also cover uh, negotiable order of withdrawal. So say my my uh, my contract with my bank ends on a certain date, I don't want to renew it, they're ending my contract, uh, you, they're, you're guaranteed that money. Time, uh, 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 time deposits, because uh, certain money can only be cashed in or withdrawn at certain times, like... Uh, you probably have heard the saying of just wait until next week then the check will clear also will bounce kind of like that kind of stuff the federal government also ensures is cashier and money orders also uh covers like nick said checking um and savings so but you know it's also very interesting what they don't ensure and they quite say this on their website in very bold letters they don't cover stock and in, uh in, uh investments mutual funds life insurance, annuities, municipal securities, safety deposit boxes, and to me, which I was very surprisingly, the federal government does not insure U.S. Treasury bills, U.S. Treasury bonds, or notes, a.k.a. currency. I thought that was very interesting. Well, you would think that that would be, I guess I need to learn more about it, because, yeah, I would, uh, I'm surprised as well, Mike, that doesn't feels like i'm missing something yeah it does um just a little crash course on the words i said for people who might not be familiar with that uh cashier's check is a check kind of written from the bank that says you have this much money no matter what's guaranteed it's kind of like a green light going through a uh, wire transfer um wire transfer is like a cashier's check but digitally it's transferred from one bank to another actually some banks make their money from wire transferring like they're acting as a middleman uh to do that so pretty much it's just sending money but it's for like a physical transaction so you need like need receipts and stuff like that negotiate order of withdrawal be honest from what i understand of that it's your uh, the contract part i could be mistaken with that um and then mutual funds that they don't insure life insurance that they don't insure annuities that they don't insure municipal securities which they don't insure kind of makes sense to me because a lot of those are done by other companies, like such life insurance. It's not necessarily done by the banks. You can have other people. Stock investment, I mean, 
no gambler ever gets insured like hey if i lose my money gambling i'll get it back or else it's not gambling you're right they call that investing in mortgages mike (laughs) (laughs) that is uh that is true and that's how they make a lot of money and that's also how they brought on the crash of a couple uh markets but uh yeah yeah what perhaps that's i was gonna say uh I guess the better question is, what exactly are they insuring besides like your checking account? That's all I could find was the negotiation, time, order of the draw, savings, uh, time deposits, cashiers, and money orders, pretty much. Those were the only things I could really find that they are insured for individuals. Insured for banks, I had a hard time finding, which is not surprising. Uh, but that's just like for individuals, what that's insured uh for banks or private banks or business banks i have no bloody clue and i don't know if you came across it at all nick no not really well that's disappointing because i feel like that should be very easy information to find what do different types of banks insure because uh shouldn't be that hard to figure I out think, it shouldn't be that hard to I think know. it all depends on like what contract you sign with the bank from what i read is that different banks will insure different things or like per each account that you're opening, they'll insure like a certain amount, in ca- like in case of a run or something. But I don't know where the government's role in that is. I don't know if that's like a insure with us because we have this, or this is something we're required to insure up to kind of thing. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah, and state and federal banks are a bit different. And I imagine the uh, the insurance. I I wonder what for private banks and state banks what insurance companies they use instead of the federal government to insure their banks and how can I invest in those <laughs> insurance companies? Yeah. But we did talk about a little bit how banks make money from mortgages, which is kind of uh, interest rates on loans or foreclosures and fees. All those fun f- fees, your yearly fee taken out of ATM fee, credit card fee, didn't, didn't do your thing so they charge you a fee three percent for using a credit card fee when you meant to set up automatic bill pay we meant uh you couldn't so since your bill pay is late because our app failed i need 25 dollars get the fuck out of here (laughs) well i'm gonna start with an uh interest rates because that is kind of like uh well sharks Shark loaners, that it just kind of makes sense a little bit more to me than fees. Interest rates, which are set by the central bank, a.k.a. the Federal Reserve, uh, they kind of cap the amount an interest rate banks can charge on an individual or company, but those are usually negotiable depending on your risks. Banks are pretty much just gamblers. They look at risks, and they go, eh, is this a safe bet? Okay, we'll put this vest in. Well, he knows he's a safe bet, so we're going to lower the interest rate. So competitive interest rates matter, but that's how they make their money back. Like if I give Nick $100 and I say, okay, you have 90 days to pay me back plus 5%. So he owes me $105 in, in 90 days. That's what we kind of mean by interest rate. I don't remember what the cap is for interest rates. I thought it was like 4%. But I think that was for private loans. There's a lot of different types of loans, which we might get into. But banks, for the most part, again, are just gamblers. And like a shark loan, the easiest way to tell between a shark loan and a bank is interest rate. If it's 20% or more, it's 100% a shark loan. If it's 5% or less, it's probably a bank. That's about the only difference I could really find between the two. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if that that's recent i know the guy i work with who's a he's like 64 he's an older dude but when he was getting out of the military in like the 70s maybe earlier than that he uh his gi loan was four percent and that was like amazing that was like half of what a normal mortgage loan would have been is what he was telling me okay i think so was, i think it's a good point to point out there's different types of loans so i'm just gonna run them through real fast um, there's personal loan, which is like an individual taking money for a wide range of things. Like, Hey, I need to get my driveway done, fix up my house a little bit. There's a mortgage loan, which is loan for buying a house. Um, there's the, and mortgage loans. There's a subcategory of mortgage loans and mortgage agreements. 
loan is a buyer and the lender set terms together and if miss payments the buyer doesn't have the right to just take the house completely away while a mortgage agreement is if a buyer misses or is late on a payment the lender can foreclose on the property and take it you have student loans which is stupid which is for loan for education which you should check out in our uh, episodes on education you have an auto loan for a car payday loan which is a short cash advance so your your next paycheck will go back to paying that loan you just need that money right then right now for emergency small business loan to start a business pawn shop loan for objects as collateral um, home equity loan your house is collect is collateral but your gi loan i actually did not come across this snake those are the ones i came across could you explain a little bit more on that loan i believe that that it's kind of the same way it's just it, you go through like a, a semi-government agency that gives you a better rate so I, I think it's just like essentially another bank but for members of the military kind of where you can get better rates and uh due to legislation i'm not an expert in it so don't quote me on that well that just kind of makes sense to me that different government agents will have different types of loan rates i mean your loan rates depend on how much money you have in savings uh your credit score uh your prison record uh all these other things like a lot of things going to to figure out how much of a risk you are and how much the bank's willing to gamble and bet on you yeah pretty much i mean yeah i did so i'd always thought i i'm a I enjoy gambling. I'm a man of of some vices, and uh, <laughs> I like gambling. But I I don't go in and like blow all my money. I'll you know go in with a reasonable amount, and I usually do pretty good. But I just think it's so crazy how it's like, oh, gambling. What are you? Some kind of low life? Like playing blackjack? It's like I'm gonna bet millions of dollars that all these people are gonna pay their mortgages back. I'm like. Okay, I'm betting on cards. You're betting on people. Like that seems like <laughs> who's the fool here? <laughs> like the way worse thing or and then yeah, it's like there's a you can play the stock market and not and I don't mean like you invest and you know a year goes by and you take your stuff out like you can do like You're not getting dividends yeah, on your, like your investments. But there's you can do that and there's no moral qualms about that compared to gambling i don't know it's just like a weird thing but it's to me maybe because i'm an idiot it seems like the same thing hey nick if you were a bank say this is like you know 2006 ish and a person fresh out of college full of debt wants to buy a home but you want to do really good this quarter do you want (laughs) would you give them a loan well based on uh what it seems like they're giving out it seems like everyone's getting loans so why the hell not (laughs) Uh, yeah, for those who don't get understand the joke I was telling Nick is uh, pretty much one of the largest market crashes ever in U.S. history. And I was surprised, Nick, there's like six or seven market crashes in U.S. history. I did not realize it was that many. I honestly thought it was just the Great Depression in 08. Um, but yeah, 08 was people handing out loans who were really high risk and just on a prayer couple hail marys it's like it's like taking a speaking of blackjack it's like taking a hit when you have 19 uh, uh in front of you it's like yeah sure i can get to 21 i just need i just need i just need a couple more no no you you stay brother you stay yeah pretty much it's uh yeah well it's it's getting that uh like a like a 16 or 15 it's like mm. But, like, you know you're going to get your money back, so might as well go for it, right? Well, the government's insured. If you're insured by the government and they can bail you out, I mean, why not? You got nothing to lose. I mean, in the 08 market, for the main reason the housing market collapsed was too many banks were giving too many high-risk people loans with very competitive interest rates. We'll put that in those words. So it made people buy more, more loans, more in debt more spread thin and when people wanted their money back and people realized oh you can't support this you're just juggling on hot air all the cards fell out they it's just the house of cards fell apart there was nothing they could do and the whole world kind of went silent and 
in chaos all at once. But luckily, or not luckily, the government, unfortunately, or or fortunately, bailed out all these banks. And a lot of people were still screwed because of the loans they took. Honestly, Nick, you should know better. Like, I think we said it before on a different podcast is sometimes you got to live within your means. I'm all for aiming for the stars. But if you take half a million dollar loan out and you're only making $40,000 a year, you're kind of an idiot. I'm just kidding. Sometimes well, you, uh... and we're definitely doing that again. Like right now. No, history's <laughs> repeating itself. No, like uh, we're not we're not super looking to buy a house, but we're not like but the price of houses are crazy. And so I was like, I don't even know like how like how much we could get, you know, a loan for. And it's like without going to like a person, we can get me and my wife. Let's say we make around like a hundred thousand a year combined. We can get pre-approved for like six hundred thirty thousand dollars, like without talking to anyone, like without going, like putting in our income, just like bad credit score, no credit score, you're dead. We don't care. We'll give you the money. Yeah, it's like that's you shouldn't be you shouldn't be just like that's like a ridiculous amount of money. That's more than we could like comfortably would like our mortgage would be like that. We'd have to like have a mortgage and like eat ramen. I like if we bought a six hundred thirty thousand dollar house. It's like, what are you doing? Well, a lot of people see that or they think uh, I wish I did more research on your credit score, how that affects loans and stuff like that. But. People will say, hey, the bank values me this much. I have this much time. That time gets eaten away fast. And they go ahead and pull the trigger. I, I, I can't agree with you more, Nick. The housing market is bonkers right now. It is a seller's market. It's. I had a friend who recently, she had to pay 50 grand over asking price in cash in order to get the house. And it is odd. And you didn't hear it from me, folks, but it's not a great house. Oh yeah, there's a house that sold next to uh, kind of down the road from us for like fifty thousand over asking with visible water damage. Yeah, we're we're looking at another bubble. We're looking at another bubble just waiting to pop. Well, if speaking of bubbles, I mean another bubble that's just ready to pop and go enter the market. And it might be a little bit out of left field, Nick, but uh, let me explain my thought before you hop in. Is cryptocurrency? We did an episode on it. A lot of governments don't like it. A lot of banks don't like it. And needless to say, one way or the other, the government is very tied into the banking system here in the United States. And as banks get more money from, like they said, fees, you know, $20 to open an account, $100 to keep it open a year, et cetera, et cetera, stuff like that. Well, crypto takes that a little bit away. I mean, a lot of the fees done by the banks are for time and energy. But with crypto, it's faster. It's quicker it's more secure than traditional systems i mean banks over the years have become weaker and weaker and easier and easier to attack simply because well the old security systems aren't keeping up with the modern hacking abilities crypto has some banks have slowly adapted and started added cryptocurrency into the repertoire even atms nick which is i find surprising they have uh, atms now that accept bitcoin and, and i am curious on how bank bureaucracy is going to limit the amount you can withdraw or transfer with crypto because currently crypto has no limit on what you can withdraw or deposit if you're like nick said over two hundred fifty thousand, and you're trying to withdraw that money there's some legality that comes with it so if you're a millionaire and trying to withdraw millions of dollars you won't not be able to get your money out you will have to go through lawyers and it takes a long time and process to get through and after all those legal fees, after the fees of transferring that much money out, you're paying. You're only getting a portion of the money that you put into the bank. It doesn't seem fair to me, but that's just me old-fashioned. But crypto allows it to happen, which is kind of interesting to me. I mean, you can check it out on the crypto uh, podcast we did, which kind of explains how crypto works and how countries or governments are adapting to it. But crypto seems to be the way of the future for banking, or at least some type of electronic currency system. But it begs the question, we've moved away from the gold standard for the U.S. bill, and cryptocurrency is kind of built up on the currency of what people will pay for it. It's kind of the same for modern 
currency. It's kind of our imagination that gives it money. It's uh, the question is, do we want to pay for it? Do we want to do it? Do we want to hop in? Do we want that to be our investments? I know a lot of banks, government don't want to because they can't control it. But if they can control it, which inevitably they'll somehow be able to, or they'll get a large portion of it, crypto might be the future of banking. So cryptocurrency is like one. I think the one of the greatest pros of it is like you talked about of how easy it is to transfer to another person. Like even like a nominal, like not a nominal amount. But if you're gonna go and try and get out, like you know, buy a new car or something, you know, or buy a used car at like sixteen thousand. <laughs> Was that half a bitcoin? Something like that. <laughs> Yeah, half a Bitcoin, but also it's like the easiest way to do it is to slowly like withdraw like a couple hundred dollars a day instead of just going to get it all at once. And it and it's frustrating because it's like that's my that's my money. Like, why can't I go and get my money? That makes too much sense, Nick. <laughs> you know, but with Bitcoin, all your money is easily transferable and available. So there's not like the three day waiting fee or three day waiting period and like all the fees and you got to get like a wire, like you got to go to the bank and it's just, uh, it makes all your money accessible and usable immediately, which is awesome. And obviously that's a better product than the banks are offering. So yeah, they want to get involved in it so they can get some money in off the top. Um, so yeah, and then at the end of the day, like we talked about taking the U.S. dollar off the gold standard, it's all a, a fiat currency, which is basically means it's not backed by anything. So the U.S. dollar isn't, like we said, backed by a gold standard. There is no, I mean, it's just not, uh, it's not, doesn't represent anything. It's our imagine. It's fiat is a fancy word for imagination, in my opinion. Yeah, and so like the very first, how don't you call them like currencies? were issued like were issued you know like you're going back to like mesopotamia kind of period where they're issuing oh like you have this much and it's redeemable for this much grain like something like that that's not what this is this is just we believe this is worth that much and because of that that's how much it's worth you know you can't take a dollar and say i need this much gold i want my 40 cents of gold from this it's it's not anything and that can scare people, which can, you know, you need that to be redeemable for something. And that's what causes a run. If they think the economy is taking a downturn, they know that that dollar doesn't count for anything. It's not redeemable for anything. You're not going to get gold out of it. You're not going to get grain, whatever else your currency is representing. So you need something that it's redeemable for. And I guess in a sense, Bitcoin's just like, like it is the same way. You're, you can't redeem a certain amount of Bitcoin for gold either. But you can easily transfer and you can get it whenever you want. Well, to so, point out, you can't, there's a limit on how much Bitcoin can be produced compared to currency. Currency, they, they print every single year. It, right. It is, well, Bitcoin is finite. And I guess Ethereum is not, Ethereum probably wouldn't be a fiat currency, right? Because it's redeemable. For, it's not redeemable, but it represents a certain amount of a product. We might be getting too far into the weeds of something we don't understand, but yeah, there is a finite amount of it. We can't just print more. And okay, speaking of printing, I, I'm not sure how true this is, but I heard that there's two, that uh, North Korea has a U.S. printing press and they're just like printing American money for shits and gigs. Oh, yeah. To devalue our currency. Oh, yeah. Uh, North Korea is the best, best forgers of U.S. currency. And then I think the following is somewhere in South America. I think it might be Colombia. They used to be. But North Korea is the best at manufacturing uh, U.S. currency. Um, yeah, they either it's to get money because they're a very kind of poor country, or it's to hurt us financially. Yeah, North Korea, it, from my understanding, is number one at making forgeries. So just something to think about about currency. It's just cotton with literally jeans thrown in there. That red and blue is from jeans, and just cotton pressed, and then. The ink has to act, be act, non-active to iodine, and uh, the only really hard thing is uh, the rainbow strip and uh, making sure the serial numbers don't overlap. I mean, the watermarks are easy. I mean, anyone who's done art class or messed with paper can can create a watermark. It's uh, yeah, the U.S. Uh, dollar compared the U.S. bill compared to the rest of the world is kind of garbage, like. 
physically. It's actually, I think, one of the highest bills currently, cur- currency currently, but uh, what it's actually made of is uh, kind of garbage. Yeah, and so the disadvantage of a currency that doesn't represent anything is that it's uh, supposedly more predisposed to ups and downs, whereas something back to a gold standard, the price of gold has gone up and down as well, whereas the price of silver has been relatively consistent. Um, but you know, like I guess, like Bitcoin, there's a certain amount. Silver, there's a certain amount of silver, but there's also not. I Until guess we I don't get know, to at space, the same time, we can find more. And uh, so, having it tied to that, people will feel good knowing that the idea is that if you know that that dollar is tied to a certain amount of something, worst case scenario, you can get that much for that dollar, and so you're not going to freak out. But when you know that that dollar is meaningless and the price of that dollar keeps going down you got to spend it to get something that is worth something or or figure something out yeah i just i just love how every world country every country in this world uh is built on imagination like yeah our this this thing that you wear around your uh on your waist these things that exactly made from your pants your jeans this is this is worth fifty dollars $50 $50 can buy this, this, and this. It's not backed by anything, but you okay. need to believe us. You, speaking of imagination, why is every country's answer to rapid inflation print more money? Inflation is a very, it does a whole lot of left field. Inflation kills me, especially with the world how it is right now. Inflation, I have not drank enough to get into inflation. I'm going to, I'm going to bring it back to something I know and I'm passionate about and I can talk about sober or drunk is how banks give all our information to the government pretty much. So I receive a 1% interest rate on my savings account and they receive, and the government receives all my information. Actually, not too far off. So depending on whether it's a state or federal bank, different rules, different regulations. Uh, but for the most part, the IRS, you never fuck with the IRS. IRS are champs. There are two undefeated winners in the entire world, the internet and the IRS. Oh, sorry, three, and father time. They will always win. Those three shall always win. The banks, by law, have to give a lot of information to the government about taxation, to the IRS, who's moving what currency. And the Bank Security Act made banks to report any deposits, 10000 or over, directly to the IRS. So... You have to either fill out a form. I think it's something something 35 form to fill out to deposit 10000 or the bank does it. Not quite sure. They directly tell the IRS that you deposit this much. The IRS will then tell all the local and state jurisdictions that you just did this. And if I had $10,000 in cold hard cash and deposited it, it would take weeks until I was able to spend it in my bank and my, like my credit cards or debit card. It takes weeks And a lot of time for the IRS to process it, figure out where it came from, make sure it's legal, and then deposit it. They check the serial codes. They check uh, they're not forgeries, and then register it. This is where I get a little more angry. The Biden and his administration has tried to make this effect, the Bank Security Act, by making the value go down to $600. And this is for non-paycheck. So the $10,000 right now as it stands is if i have a paycheck bi-weekly or weekly that's over ten thousand dollars and it's consistent then the irs doesn't care about it but if it's not consistent like it's ten thousand here or there then they care about it so if it's a paycheck they don't care about it biden his administration wants to make this value of ten thousand all the way down to six hundred dollars so if it's not a paycheck and you deposit over six hundred dollars or more into your bank account You'll have to fill out paperwork, the IRS gets notified, and all the local and state jurisdictions get notified that you deposited $600. That pisses me off. And, well, here's here's why, Mike. So the mills, all the mills in Oregon, the state wanted to know how many emissions they were putting off. So the state said, you have to, we have to look at how much emissions of CO2 all these operations are pr- producing. Why do they want to know that? It's not so that they could stop global warming. It's so they could tax it. So why do they want to know every time you put $600 in your account? It's so they can tax it. 
Yeah, no. That's I, why. I completely agree. In fact, it was so dis... So, in order to get favor on this, they changed the $600. And this is quite recently. If I remember, this was changed November 13th of 2021. Uh, they flip-flopped from $600 to raising it. So, uh, so a lot of people don't get taxed based on uh, interest gain fees. So, like, housing... Uh, Department like uh, pretty much there are, there are workarounds to not paying taxes to not showing the IRS how much money you actually make. Like some people might make I don't know ten million dollars but only pay ten thousand in uh, taxes. Some people just because they you know forward their money, invest their money, ship their money to assets rather than cold hard currency into a bank. Well, since the Biden administration was so disfavored about the $600, they flip-flopped it, as I believe it was November 13th, 2021, to now target people who don't directly deposit money. So this would extend to the interest gained on your investments and property, which would directly go to the IRS to figure out how much taxation you should be charged, what your taxes should be. So this is to target people who are smart and people who try to move around taxation in my in my opinion don't hate the players hate the game government set it up government is really good at not paying taxes in fact they don't think government pays any taxes they have to they collect taxes so eh, i'm not i i i understand where the ten thousand comes from like you don't want drug dealers you don't want illegal purchases stuff like that i think ten thousand currently is a good amount probably a sunset law needs to put on that so we can change with inflation but Six hundred dollars doesn't make sense to me. I mean, ugh. hell, after if I'm a if I'm a sixteen year old kid, seventeen year old kid, got to go to college, and it's Christmas. I, a lot of my family members might give me cash, and I want to put it in the bank to pay for my college. That's gonna probably go over six hundred dollars, and I have to fill out a form. Family members or people you were selling drugs to, Mike. I plead the fifth. That's a joke, by the way. Please, FBI, don't come through my door. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, it's that's ridiculous to me. I'm happy it's kind of getting on decline, and they're switching to targeting rich people. But at the same time, I'm not the happiest with it. I'm just, I guess, I'm happy it's not. They're not attacking me. They're attacking others, which is not great. But at, for the moment, it's not on me. Yeah, the uh, yeah, we should do a ethics of tax <laughs> podcast. Nick, there's not the... enough vodka in the world for that be wild that's that's uh that's a handle for each of us and a lot of pizza uh but speaking of government not paying taxes boy nick we talked about it they're really good at bailing out banks they're really good at helping people who they take a lot of taxes from in case people don't know if you're a federal insured bank your taxes pretty much go directly to the central banks which is pretty much the federal reserve which is well you want to protect your money makers and like we mentioned, I think it was six-ish, could be seven, I'm not, I don't quite remember, uh, times banks have been bailed out in U.S. history, which I did not think it was that much. But they all, from my research, all stem from when we moved away from the gold standard. Yeah, and then I think also this kind of leads to the ethics of, of banks being insured, and the, the argument is insuring banks allows people to not lose all their money and supposed to stabilize banks the same way a gold standard would, so there's no run on the banks because they know it's FDIC insured, so they'll get up to $250,000 of their money for each account. The opposite argument is, and I think it's not the worst argument I've heard, if banks know that they're going to get bailed out, there's no incentive to not take riskier loans because the worst case scenario is they get bailed out. So like we talked about in the very beginning, it's not like gambling because gambling, there's a chance you could lose. Now, if you're a bank and you gamble on subpar subprime, if you gamble on getting all my words mixed up, if you gamble on, like, say, mortgages that go bad, you know if it gets very super bad, the government's going to be able to bail you out. Now, if I go and play blackjack and I lose, the government is not going to be able to bail well. I mean, they could bail me out, but they're not going. Is to. it bad? I'm thinking of Austin Powers, and uh, they're playing blackjack, and he's got a two and a three, and he goes, "I think I'll stay because I also like to live dangerously." Dangerously, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's uh, that's essentially 
damn, that's the meme. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's like you know someone someone else is footing the bill, so why not? Oh yeah, I mean, like I mentioned with mortgage agreement versus mortgage loan are two different things. I uh, a lot of economics. All right, this, this is a conversation for another time, but I won't put this out here. A lot of what the economics economists say is let the market dictate. Surprisingly, I don't always agree with the economists. Sometimes I think they're not taking emotional and other factors into play. But if you're, as an agency, dumb enough to give, I don't know, $100,000 in a loan to a person with a credit score of 50, you're kind of a moron. You kind of set your money on fire and expecting daddy to bail you out. At some point, you got to learn from your mistakes, right? And uh, just just a little fact, the the 08 bailout was a $700 billion bailout. Also want to point out the infrastructure bill is over a trillion, but, you know, neither here nor say. Yeah, is it bad that the thing I remember most in the news from that time is Modern Warfare 2 came out with the stimulus package as a new DLC? I do not remember that at all. Oh my god, I thought it was the funniest shit I had ever heard. So they they came out with like the first, I think it was like the first round of new maps for Call of Duty. And uh, they called the DLC the stimulus package <laughs> after the uh, the um, bailout. Oh, back when Infinity Ward used to be good. Yeah, I remember. But it is very interesting on how, I, I mean, to literally have not just other investors money but the government as well i mean think about it you're not gambling with your own money you're gambling with people who give your money you give them a certain percentage of your winnings when you win and if you lose the government backs it up nick we we need to raise capital and start a bank it's it's like a win-win situation yeah i think you need to have a large bank to get bailed out i think a lot of small banks went under every time something like this happens Ooh, that is a good curiosity i wonder how that 700 billion was spent and i was and i wonder on what banks survived and what didn't i mean obviously the big name brands survived but i wonder i'm thinking nick this is just me thinking out loud i'm thinking a lot of the small banks survive because they can't afford to be dumb they have to play it smart to survive i'm thinking in that middle in the ground where they're they're a small bank but they're too dumb to think they're a large bank i think those are the ones who got weeded out that's just me thinking off the top of my head. So far, 20, it says two, 27 banks closed in twenty eight or 2008. That's it? And then in, I think, the, sorry, 2007, 27 banks closed. And as of December, yeah, and 25 banks closed in 2008. So that's... So less banks closed in 2008 than 2007, and I'm looking through the list, and I don't see any name brand banks. It's all small, like, single banks. Yeah, no, it, um, for those wondering who might be international listeners, credit. I don't know if credit scores... Oh, we only focus on U.S. banks. I don't know how other banks work. It was hard enough to figure out how my own country's banking system worked, let alone foreigners. Uh, but credit score is pretty much what is the percentage of risk or a percentage that you'll pay back whatever I loan you. So if I'd say it's out of 100 and your credit score is like 97, I have a 97% chance you're going to pay me back. So you're a good risk. That's pretty much how credit scores work. And uh, to order to increase your credit score, you need to take more uh, loans so you pay it back off. So you're like, oh, you actually paid it off. So your credit score increases. Oh, you're actually a calculator risk that actually pays it off your your risk-reward system is much better than we previously thought. Which, surprisingly, I did not learn in public education. I had to learn myself. Yeah, I just kind of pieced how that worked together through... Being an adult? Commercials on the TV <laughs> and being an adult, I guess. <laughs> Trust our uh, words, I guess. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Uh, Trust no one, do your own research. Again, we're fools with a capital F. We are idiots. And we are way out of our league here. Um, if you couldn't guess, I mean, you probably couldn't guess. We didn't give any clues on this one, but I grow trees and Mike makes things. So we don't do this yeah. for a living. Uh, isn't, is an engineer blue collar or is it white collar? What was, 
what color is engineer um light blue I... it's a mix yes light blue okay yeah i don't deal with that much bureaucracy and government regulations i might deal with like hate you at the past you know welding inspections so in our jobs the government actually regulates us and keeps us from doing what we want to do whereas in banking they help you do what you shouldn't do okay all right all right let me rephrase what i was gonna say in my degree it's my field it's the the minimum like you hey you gotta if you step on this floor the floor can't collapse pretty much it's like don't just don't fuck up that's pretty much our regulations don't fuck up uh and then in the banks it's like if you fuck up we got you <laughs> it's okay little buddy <laughs> wink wink nudge nudge it's the spirit that counts oh, well this might be a little off topic and uh feel free to ignore me and go to a different subject but We've talked about it a lot with the gold standard. We talked about a lot on how that's kind of like how inflation happens, how, you know, banks take risks that are unnecessary. What percentage of currency should be backed? Because I think a currency should be backed by either uh, rare minerals or, or, or something. It should be backed by something, in my opinion. And first off, do you agree with that statement? And if you agree with that statement, what percent of currency do you think should be backed? I'm just I'm thinking about like when uh, the the colonial currency was kind of first invented. Basically, at one of the colonies had to pay their soldiers didn't have money at the time, so they gave them loans or sorry bonds. I was thinking of bonds, but I was just thinking of like it was redeemable for like tobacco or something. Or right? Russia giving their just, just vodka. Yeah, it's like does every currency have to be a gold standard, or does some currency have to be like? Oh, like the currency of Idaho, you get, you know, X amount of uh, potatoes or timber or like per Idaho dollar or in Oregon, you get like X amount of cranberries or Subarus, something like that. And uh, but I guess essentially that's also kind of I feel like what what like cryptocurrency is. I don't know. Um, I like the idea of money not being imaginary. But I, I, that's not entirely practical. I get that. And speaking of fees, like, can we talk about how stupid exchange rate fees are? Like, holy shit, you don't have the technology to figure out how many dollars my fucking, how many euros my dollar is? Get the fuck out of here, Bank of America. Why, why can't, uh, again, crypto sounds better and better every single day. It's universal. It's like, it's like oh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin's this much? Okay, one Bitcoin. Yeah, like yeah, that makes complete sense to me. Um, to answer my own question before so you what switch, a, before you switch, yep. um, I agree the currency shouldn't be a hundred percent backed because that way it allows for inflammation. Allow uh, like a lot of our money isn't physical. A lot of monies are on plastic credit cards, debit cards, investments. It's not physical. It's it doesn't exist. It's imaginary banks. Um, but I think a small percentage should be composed of percentage of the rarest minerals in the universe or the world like uh tanzanite laramir laramar can't really pronounce it alexanderite like the rarest stuff like a dollar is one two two three ammo during the pandemic. oh well <laughs> the ish i think a dollar should be like all right so say you have 100 grams of the rarest mineral in the universe the dollar should be one should be twenty five. It uh, should be point oh five percent of that. It should be there should be something we all relate it to, so we understand how much it's actually worth. I uh, I don't think all our currency should be like that. I think it should be a whatever it is by half. So say say one gram is fifty bucks. So uh, fifty bucks would account for twenty five percent of the 50 grams so in order to buy 50 grams you need a hundred dollars so to speak yeah i kind of like and you like this is the problem I, I i haven't researched this so i don't i'm sure there's a number that's an actual like this is the number that would be perfect but i like the 40 cents to the dollar for when we had the gold standard right because it's like worst case scenario you still get 40 percent of your of, how, of what you had at the time so if everything goes to shit, you're still you still get like a, some like a little below half, but you're not out for nothing. Like if it's you know below a percent, 
I mean, it might as well be not tied to anything. Oh, yeah. No, mine was, I was just using like a dollar, like a dollar's one percent, so half of a dollar percent. So mine was like at the 50% mark. Okay. But no, I, I, I mean, I think some percentage should be accounted for something. Like the kilogram is a physical thing. There's like a weight, I think it's in England or Germany. That's where we get kilogram from. That's the standard. We need some standard to base our currency. Uh, gold, silver, to me, as we venture out to space, is going to be kind of out the window. There's so much gold and silver out in space. So it's probably something above iron. What's iron? 42 on the elemented period. Um, iron is what found in the sun when the sun's collapsed. That's where we get other minerals and stuff like that. So I don't know. Maybe base it off of uranium. Something, something that's finite. I don't know. Uh, but you were saying something, Nick, before I interrupted you. I was just tossing, like, we talked about how Bitcoin and, and crypto, you can move around instantaneously. I guess further to this question, like, a, a global currency, like, one currency, like, not a U.S. dollar and a yen and a peso, like, just there's one currency together. Like, how, because all the economies would be tied to that single currency so the value would be spread across everything so you're spreading your your risk but i feel like if everyone was on the same currency and i I didn't research this so i could be and and most likely talking out of my ass but i feel like that would reduce inflation because say like some areas going through like terrible inflation well the cost to build that hasn't gone up for everyone else right so like I, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Well, I think the world's already done that, Nick, with gold and silver. I mean, how many cultures, civilizations all valued gold? I think we already did that with gold. Like I, Well, the, the Spanish really liked yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Like, really liked it. If I was in England with a one gold coin, maybe, say, half inch in diameter, and went into the Aztec Empire... I would probably be able to buy the same amount of stuff than I could in England. I I, I think it'd be pretty close. So I don't know why we don't go back I, to I that. I feel like I feel like you'd be able to buy a lot more in England. All right, maybe that was a bad example. Maybe let, let's say Italy. Let's say a country that actually has not cold, depressing weather and also has influx of trade at this time. Because what the Aztec Empire ended what in the sixteen hundreds. Okay. Well, all right. Let's say Italy. Uh, I would say a gold. I would. All right. Definitely, there's going to be a discrepancy between a rich nation and a poor nation. Hundred percent. But the Aztec were solidified at their time, and. But I think they didn't. Didn't they have a lot of gold? So like, it wouldn't be worth as much there than it would be in Spain. Just because they have a lot doesn't mean they're spending around moving in currency. I mean, it could be in reserves. Could be holded by the nobles. It. It could be holded by the individuals. It doesn't mean it's being transferred a lot. If the only time things really go down in value is if there's a lot of it and easy access. Just if there's no easy access, then it's it's not. But anyhow, shut up and let me explain my hypothetical and deal with it. So you have two countries, both monetary, about the same richness. So I'm just using Aztec and England. I'm sticking with England because fuck it, why not? A gold coin on kind of neutral, even economic scales will be pretty close to each other and buy the same things for a poor country i'll be able to buy more things because it's more valuable because they're poor they need more stuff so say we move from the aztec to the incas in chile i don't know that's the same thing how kind of the u.s dollar bill is but except it's not back it's not a physical thing it's just a representation and what i'm trying to get at nick is a universal kind of currency such as a cryptocurrency which might be a good thing or a bad thing uh might be the factor because I guarantee you one Bitcoin will buy more in a poor country than a rich country, but buy pretty much evenly on a rich country. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes perfect sense. But it'd be universal. We need to stop. All right, this is a conversation another time. But if we're going to think universally, no longer globally, we need to all get some basic shit out of the way for our planet of like basic laws, basic regulations. Because I'm with you, Nick, with transferring money overseas or traveling or something like that god damn the fees they are up the up the ass with trying to transfer currency to a different currency talk about getting middlemen for just god just outright robbery 
Yeah, especially it. It's not like you're transferring it to like a currency they're not going to accept. It's like it's a euro. <laughs> it it's like about the same as a dollar. I assume like you can take that euro and get money out. Is of this it. Greece? Well, it's the same currency. Well, it's also Greece. Greece does not exactly have the most economic grand background. So like, oh, you're going to Greece to lose money. Got it. Well, that's which that's the whole that's the whole European Union thing. So I I don't deal with that. But yeah, Nick, to to me, after doing all this research, the only difference between a gambler and a banker is a banker can get his money back after he loses. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. Well, this was kind of a crash course on one-on-one banking. Some fools did dive in, and uh, if you want, and it's a lot of ran a lot of random stuff. Entertaining, I hope, but we went off a few tangents. Agreed. And if people want to tell us some things about banking that we should know about, some things how that how banking works in their country, where can they tell us, Nick? You can find us on Instagram and Reddit. At Backyard Philosophy. And you cannot find us on Twitter because there's no way the government will ever finance and bail out Twitter. Give it a, give it a, give it a little. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised too, and that makes me sad. Now, curiosity, Nick, what are you reading? <laughs> I am still reading Max Boot, Small Wars and the Rise of American Power, and I am hoping to finish it soon to just be able to say i'm reading a different book what are you reading mike i'm so happy we're friends uh i am still reading the 48 uh, laws of power by robert green and i am just about quarter of the way through so uh so we've gotten nowhere yeah we maybe collectively we've gotten maybe 100 pages in so we are right on track well we're still moving better than u.s government but that being said as always, I hope some people learned some things. I hope you we were entertaining. And as always, thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.